And welcome to another edition of City View with Mayor Tom Coca Podcast Quincy Podcast. Welcome to your own office, Mayor. Thank you, Mark. I'm Mark Carey, the Mayor's Media Director. I am at his service and at yours today, folks, if you're listening. So uh, not that they can really respond at the moment, but <laughs> uh, welcome, Mayor. It's good to be back. Yeah, we missed a week last week. So we you did, back but on the swing of it. Yeah. you know, things are busy and you're taking a lot of appointments and this a lot time going of, on. Good this stuff. time of year is a lot of a lot of meetings and a lot of I know a lot, a lot of, of planning. A lot of planning. Big but time. Before we get into some of the issues, I was gonna uh, you know, we are in one of the most historic cities in in the country for sure, and, and if not the world. We've been talking a lot about Quincy four hundred issues and one of the things we were talking about is the cemetery, the Hancock Cemetery yesterday. And and you had brought up you you had walked into the meeting at the time where we were doing our sort of a recap on the meeting we had last week at the Kennedy Center, and you talked about uh, John Adams a little bit, and I wanted you to share that if you will with the folks. Oh sure. Uh, well, I think we've talked a little bit about it in the show here. Uh, I announced some inauguration, some new initiatives, and one of them was to bring back the books, John Adams's personal books collection, to Quincy. He left it to Quincy. Uh, the inhabitants of Quincy, and he had some ideas on what should be done with it. He was very specific in his will uh, about it. So uh, I came across uh, some language. Um, actually, the city solicitor forwarded it to me. That's how I came across it. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, there's some, some pretty good gems in here, I think. Uh, <laughs> Just love the language. Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, he was had away with words for sure. I'll read a few excerpts. Like, for example, Do hereby give, grant, convey, and confirm to the inhabitants of the town of Quincy in their corporate capacity, and their successes, the fragments of my library, which still remain in my possession, excepting a few that I shall reserve for my consolation in a few days that remain to me on the following conditions. Then he gets into conditions. These books be deposited in an apartment of the building to be hereafter erected for a Greek and Latin school or academy. That was him talking about the future Adams Academy which it was his funding that built that Adams Academy, which houses the Historical Society. But it was a school for boys in the classicals, Greek and Latin at the time. He wanted the books uh, to be stored in that, in that place for people to be used. And then he goes on to say, none of the books shall ever be sold, exchanged, or lent, or suffered to remove from the apartments without the solemn vote of a majority of the superintendents in reference to who was going to oversee them. I make uh, no condition of this, but submit it to the consideration of the time, whether it be expedient to build the temple on the Hancock lot near the academy. This is now the First Parish Church. He left money and left specifically uh, granite to be used for the construction Now you're coming to my favorite church. part. This is my favorite part. And nothing would be a higher gratification to me or more honorable to my memory to wish that the triangle in which the present temple stands should be left forever as a common. So he didn't want the church to be built where it is. Really? This was the old training ground for the old militia. That's right. He wanted it to be open, but the church ended up being on that same triangle as, as what he referred to it as. So then he goes on, this is, this is what you mean. Uh, <laughs> so he goes on to put a section in here about maybe some of his descendants that didn't like what he was doing. He said, and if any descendant of mine should ever presume to call it in question, I hereby pronounce him unworthy of me, and I hereby petition all future legislators of the Commonwealth to pass a special law to defeat his impious intentions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, now, this is the guy that literally sat down at his law office desk and wrote the Constitution of Massachusetts, yeah. which became was the forerunner and became a model, much of it for the uh, Constitution of the United States. Right, which and he was, he was a, one of the first ones 
of, of all the founding fathers to talk about uh, everybody should be have a free public education. I mean, it, the guy was remarkable. So, so we're going back to looking at some of this old stuff. We want to bring them home for yeah, what he intended. That. You talk know? about that. That's just for, that's an interesting. Uh, that we, so we we haven't really covered that on this show. And talk, talk about what you mean. You, you said you said this in your inauguration speech. Sure, sure. We talked about a few initiatives, and one of them was to bring John books, uh, John Adams books back, but to to make them part of something greater. That we would take the Adams Academy building. And we would create the John Adams Presidential Library. Now, it's not a library that you would think of the JFK Library, the Ronald Reagan Library, which are very different. We, we gotta, you know, obviously, we're going back in time. I think this could be the crown jewel. You know, we've got the old house, the birthplaces, the crypts. This would be kind of like the, the crown jewel on all of that, specifically to John Adams, the first vice president of the United States, the second president of the United States, arguably the most important founding father uh, that created this country. Again, he wrote the Constitution of Massachusetts. He, he was a law and order guy. This, I mean, you could go on and on about his contributions, right? The, the, the husband of Abigail, who was remarkable in her own right. The father, John Quincy Adams, the sixth president, who was an incredible, arguably he wasn't the best president, I, but he was an incredible diplomat, secretary of state under Monroe. He's the one that wrote the Monroe Doctrine, which mm-hmm. still abides today for how we do foreign policy. He was brilliant beyond he is, yeah. as he is, John Quincy Adams. It's hard to sum him um, up, really. because he, It is. It, it, he was a different duck. I mean, he was not um, He was not a real sociable guy. He was He was brilliant. He was a genius. I mean, he spoke like seven languages, read seven languages. He, he, was, uh, he was talking about things that was like 40 years ahead of his time, 50 years ahead of his time, canals and bridges and observatories and uh, infrastructure that, that people at the time just couldn't grasp, you know? Um, so, and then he went on to become a member of Congress after he left the presidency, the only president ever to do that. And um, he enjoyed those years and he spent much of his time with Abraham Lincoln speaking about slavery on the floor of Congress. I mean, he was, there, there was so principled the Adamses. But getting back to the point, so we have the Adams Academy. A lot of people drive by it, corner of Hancock, Adams, and Dimmick. They don't know what it is is a sign out there saying the Historical Society. It was built with funds by John Adams on the birthplace site of John Hancock. Right. And he picked that site for that reason. That not was a friend of his. Not historic at all. Yeah, right. Uh, and it, it's a magnificent building, by the way. It's, it's a beautiful, eclectic combination brick and granite. Uh, really handsome building uh, that's undergone some renovations recently. So he left money for the school. The school didn't last uh, too long. And so then it kind of fell in different hands uh, and uh, the city has control of it and leased it to the Historical Society back in the 70s. I want to say like 1972. And they've been in there ever since. But with what we're talking about, we take the building back for this purpose. We'd house the Historical Society in another city building, perhaps the old town hall, they could be, you know, part of that building. They're an important group and they do remarkable work. They tell, they preserve and tell the rest of the Quincy story. I mean, they know the Adams story as well, but there's a lot more to us than just, just Adams and as important as that story is. So if we took the Adams Academy building and we're working right now with some consultants and make that into the John Adams Presidential Library, we bring the books back. So they're a component of it. But we bring, with hopefully the cooperation and support of the family and the National Park Service, there may be some other uh, Adams items, uh, elements that could be part of that. Perhaps there could be a nice film made. You know, the, if you go to Mount Vernon, you, you get an introduction film of George Washington and his contributions. And yeah. It gives you a taste and a flavor of things. Mm. Perhaps we do something like that with it. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. This is, we're just scratching the surface at this point. But having those books that were his, 
where he wanted them to be in the school he left money to be built. I think, it, how do you beat that? I mean, yeah. talk about following his intentions and wishes. So we're just starting that process. Uh, we're going to be um, speaking by letter to the Adams family, by letter to Mr. David McCullough to let them know what we're up to. We'd like to have their support. And then we'll formally ask the BPL, the Boston Public Library, for schedule to transfer these back to their rightful owner, the people of Quincy. So Fantastic. You know, look forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, that's really a great move. It's a great initiative. Speaking of initiatives, uh, well, by the way, we want to thank everyone for coming out to our last Quincy 400 workshop, which was highly attended. We had about 130, 140 people there. Yeah, at the Kennedy Center. That was a great event. Yeah, yeah uh, and it was uh, it was really successful. So we we'll keep seeing having... newer people, too. We see some of the, ah. the old faithfuls, but then you see new people every time there's a meeting. And a few members uh, that you've asked to be on your mayoral advisory committee, so that's that was really exciting. So that was a great time. But speaking of new initiatives, this is sort of a new initiative that you've been working on, I know, uh, to help folks save some money as well as uh, help the environment. So it's called the energy aggregation. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. yeah some communities have done it. It's, there's a law that allows it. We would, um, essentially the city would work a deal with an energy broker. We would actually take over uh, the jurisdiction of every energy, uh, every homeowner in Quincy that now pays their bill. Now, National Grid, you pay a bill to them because they they're the transmission outfit. They also sell electricity. So some people, the entire bill goes to, to National Grid. For those older folks, it used to be Mass Electric. And then others have chosen to maybe go to an environmental group to buy more pure energy, environmentally uh, friendly type energy, you know, away from fossil fuels. So there's a lot of discussion about that. Now, over the recent years, uh, the Attorney General Maura Healy, she invited me in at the time. She did a press, big press announcement. She was very concerned about all these brokers who were reaching out to high homeowners, particularly elderly, trying to sell them electrical packages, they tell them they were going to save all kinds of money, and these people get locked into a contract, and they weren't saving money, and it was really uh, outrageous. Um, you know, that was. I'm, I'm glad she moved on it. She's she's she certainly is a great leader in consumer protection. We appreciate that, but it also led to these other discussions about okay, so aggregation would be the city cuts a deal, city council makes a vote, we cut a deal, and. Every homeowner now gets a, a, a different, I shouldn't say different, but a new vendor, if you will, on the energy side. Now, what the important piece is, it would be a lower bill than what they currently pay, and a bigger percentage of the electricity they're buying would be from green energy. So it would be a combination of providing more green energy with savings for people and getting these people out of these ridiculous contracts that they were misled on, quite frankly. It really galls me tremendously when you see these nefarious uh, business folks that uh, prey on, particularly on the they elderly. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the elderly are easy prey. They, they're well-meaning. They take people at their at their worth and, and think everybody's wonderful and, and they take advantage. We've seen it in several different ways how it manifests itself, but this would be a way to help that issue as well. Now, if people tried it and then didn't like it, they could opt out. So you can always opt out of it. So that's this is something we're going to be going to the city council with, talking more publicly about it. A council at one some point will take a formal vote, either up or down. They vote up, then we, we move forward on it. There'll be a lot of communication, notification about it. And I, I think it could be a great thing. People save some money, and, we, and we're helping the environment at the same time. Watch for that, folks. Tune in, and we'll have more on that as it comes. So let's talk a little bit about seawalls. That was something that we haven't touched on in a little while. And we had a, a lot of work has been done on seawalls, preparation for it as well as... Uh, yeah, we're still in permitting. Uh, there's there's uh, a lot of permitting involved, both at the state and federal level. 
Uh, so the seawall that we proposed and the council approved the money for is now in the permitting stages. The design is, is has been finalized. Uh, we have a contractor waiting to start the work. We're just uh, still waiting on a couple of last permits. Uh, it touches a lot of different agencies, you can imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I know I've said on the show on more than one occasion how frustrating it is dealing with process and process and process and red tape and red tape, particularly federal government. Um, I mean, I, I think... Much of these, many of these agencies, the laws that were instituted were all well-meaning, but, um, you know, they become these massive, massive bloated agencies that uh, become independent. They're not, in my opinion, they're not accountable. They don't answer to anybody. I get an answer to the voters every day. These people become civil servants, uh, union protection, and they're making decisions that have a tremendous effect on people's lives and pocketbooks every day. So... I'm not a big fan of some of these agencies, but I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> uh, we're going through the permitting stages, and uh, Army Corps involved, EPA's involved, Coastal Zone, DEP, CONCOM, you know, and we've That's had a lot. lot of meetings with the neighborhood. Councilor Dave McCarthy's been out front on this as a liaison with some of the neighbors in the neighborhood. Tie and Bond is the engineering company that has been doing the design work and handling the permitting piece of this, and we're hopeful that we're going to get some reimbursement from uh, the feds and state not for the whole amount, but certainly some percentages of what we're investing in this. We'll get some money back because it's going to help uh, for loss prevention going forward. So the seawall is going to be built two feet higher than it was before with the possibility of down the road, it could be built upon even higher should the community want to do that. And we had these discussions about how high we should go. I mean, yeah. you know, some people said, let's go four feet. And then a lot of people pushed back saying, well, I completely use my view at four feet. It gets harder to access the beach, you know, all of those reasons. The reasons you want to live in the waterfront, yet you, obviously you want to be protected from the vicious storms that yeah. happens from time to time. So it looks like it's two feet on average. There may be some sections that are a little higher. Full steam ahead, uh, as soon as the permits are in hand, my guess is uh, by March we'll probably have those and, and we'll be underway. Great. A lot of people in those right on those coastal areas really care about this issue. And yeah, this, this, some folks don't have a clue, but this is a really big, big yeah, deal. This area was dramatically affected by the storms a couple of years ago in March. And uh, there was an incredible ocean surge that uh, really inundated a Post Island Road, Post Island whole area, parts of House Neck, parts of Marymount, even parts of Germantown and Broad Meadows. Um, so... You know, it reminds us, uh, you know, we're susceptible, we're vulnerable. We live directly on the coast. I mean, yep. if you probably look at maps when we talked about John Adams earlier and when he's walking around the city, uh, there's probably a lot more marshes around, more streams, yeah. more creeks, a lot of stuff put in culverts over the years, a lot of land filled in over the years. And so nature is trying to reclaim nature. So uh, we got to pay attention to it. And we certainly want to protect our neighborhoods from uh, some of these uh, issues that we're dealing with with some of these new storms. Never underestimate the power of the ocean. Ever. No, that's for sure. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So thanks for the update on that, Mayor. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about um, something that uh, has happened recently. We haven't had a chance to talk about here on the podcast yet. Uh, Uh-oh. But, uh, well, it's nice? actually a, a, an encouraging issue, thank thank goodness. Uh, Connor Kulig, the Kulig family, is that correct? I want to oh, make sure I'm sure. pronouncing the name sure. properly. But Connor is a, a was a hockey player at uh, North Quincy High School. Correct. Still is, hopefully. I mean, you know, he's... He's recovering. He had an accident. Yes, he did. Um, you know, it's a reminder sometimes that um, you know you you see every so often something that happens either on the on the ice rink with a hockey player or the football field with an athlete there. And uh, there was it was a tough hit. It was a legal hit. But it was a tough hit. And Connor suffered some uh, serious uh, implications from it. He's doing well. He doesn't have, as I understand it, a permanent paralysis. I've been in touch with his mom. 
We've exchanged messages and texts, and uh, certainly Connor and and Donna's mother have been in our prayers. I know Mark, uh, yeah. even the uh, prayer group that we meet on on Thursday nights, he's been at the top of the list as well. But he's doing well, and um, it really was a uh, obviously a shock to the family, but also a shock to those teammates and even the the opposing team. We're all upset about it. You know, no one expects this to happen. And it certainly wasn't by design or by any malice intention of somebody playing dirty. It was just one of those hits that um, it hit, you know, rightly or wrongly, no matter how you look at it, yeah, uh, had a dramatic tough. effect on him and and his uh, and his body. So it's uh, he's dealing with it. He's doing well. I believe he's, if he's not getting out of rehab, uh, he will be very soon. That's great. He's still got some issues. He's got some surgeries ahead of him. And we certainly want to keep him in our prayers. And I know the community responded so well with prayers, but also uh, in, in deeds. And, and uh, people have been tremendous to the family with uh, sending over food, sending uh, money to help them with their bills. Um, so, you know, I'm proud of Quincy. This is another uh, example when when the chips are down, people come together and just, just get together and do it with no certainly fanfare, did. not looking for any accolades or pats on the head. This family is in trouble. We got to do something, and people step up and do it. It's a remarkable community, Quincy, Mass, folks. It doesn't right. get any better than this place. And that's where social media was had some good impact, actually, because a lot of people, a lot of folks, came out on social media and really shared this story, and, and it got viral, became viral really, really quick. And yeah, and then you know, uh, people like Lee Kennedy reached out to me. Lee Kennedy is is a construction company. They, they house in Quincy. They're the ones that built that garage and built. Peter O'Connell's building. Well, he's continues to play hockey. He's a big hockey family. So yeah. it, it hit home to him and he wanted to help. And he's uh, just, you know, it, it's the kind of city we live in. It's, it's just, just an amazing place. So, uh, to all of you that reached out, even beyond the boundaries of Quincy, we, on behalf of the family, we thank you. Connor's not out of the woods yet. I met Connor when he was a young boy. Uh, I think he was mayor of Squanum or something. One of the parades <laughs> when I, when I became mayor and, uh, we had a picture taken together and, and just a, just a great kid and a great family. So, we wish him well, and, and uh, actually the the North Quincy High family well, too, because they were all impacted by it. You know, Quincy does come together. That's a great thing. And, and you wish that the rest of the country could take from what Quincy does. <laughs> Quincy does come together. I think this area of the country is a little bit u- unique as opposed to the rest of the country where there's so much divisiveness now. Well, so. it's interesting, Mark, because, you know, we live in a, in a area that's very strong Democratic Party, and I would say very, very liberal. Uh, I'm no longer a Democrat, as you know, and, and uh, I'm more conservative. And, you know, I get into discussions with friends and, it, and you know, for the most part, you know, you have a nice discussion. You can yeah. respect each other's views. Sure. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, we're dealing with a, a governor in Massachusetts who's Republican, which, you know, again, we're a Democratic state. He shows tremendous respect to his colleagues on, on Beacon Hill. He works well with the legislature, a Democratic legislature. At the end of the day, we're, to, we're elected to work together to solve the problems facing our state, our communities. And... And uh, I think Massachusetts and Quincy is a model. I, I think you could, we could pass it around a little bit, and certainly in D.C., how we conduct ourselves in public life and what the mission is. And, you know, I, I, get, I, I do get frustrated with, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a history buff and a government buff, so I find some of the stuff like the impeachment stuff a little fascinating because I also lived through the Clinton, Clinton impeachment and so forth. But what, what troubles me is, is the amount of time suck this is in D.C. when we need to pay, be paying attention to a lot of issues that are important to people. 
we, uh, you know, and whether you support Trump or don't support Trump, and I know there's no in between, uh, <laughs> uh, the no. reality is we got an election coming up this year. The people are going to make that decision anyway. Let's move on. You go ahead, let's move on and get back to the issues. You know, as the mayor of the city, in- infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. We're an old city. We got old pipes. We got old seawalls. We got old school buildings, old firehouses. You know, the federal government, in my opinion, should be a more of a partner on the infrastructure rebuilding of our country. We've rebuilt a lot of other countries around the world, spending trillions of dollars at war and then rebuilding these countries. And yet our bridges, our railroads, our roads, our water supply, Critical our sewer lines, they all need major work. And, and, and I've had this discussion with my congressman, Steve Lynch, who absolutely agrees with me and on the issue of the infrastructure. I'm not going to get into the, the Democratic agenda. I have great respect for... But Congressman Lynch, but we don't see Ida in everything, but he's been an incredible member of Congress representing this district, and I, I have great uh, respect for him. I mean, I've, I've shared my views on, on that with him. You know, right now it's, it's sitting in the Senate, for all I know, deliberating as we speak. I know that uh, the defense finished and they're going on to the next phase. And it's fascinating in a way, Mark, because uh, the House does the impeachment portion, then it goes to the Senate, and the Senate's essentially the jury. They're not... They're not trying the case, and it appears Congress wants, the House wants the Senate to try it again. To try it again. They were in a hurry to do it, and then they sat on it for a month. So if they didn't feel like it was finished, I don't know why they didn't finish it before sending it over. But at any rate, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Um, there's been some great legal minds on TV on, on both sides. I think these positions on both sides have been very articulate. But I'd like to get the back to the business of the people of this country and get back to the issues that are meaningful in getting the job done so we can show results for our constituents. And the governor, I'll just paraphrase, the last line of his of his speech was was calling the legislature on, was let us be an example for the rest of the country. Let us be an example to be civil. Yeah, let's, let's use that old scripture term about the city on the hill. It's been used by a number of politicians over the years. Let us be an example to everybody else and... Uh, let us hope that we can get, we, you know, and I've said it before, we have far more in common as a people in this country than what divides us. And I think we've got to look for that common ground. I think we've got to, and a message to the immigrants, you're welcome here, but you have a responsibility to embrace this country. We come together as one country. That doesn't mean you give up your culture, your pride, your heritage, but we should come together as one America. We're not... We're America first, Democrat and Republican second. Americans first. In fact, I would put Christian ahead of my party uh, after being an American. So at any rate, I don't mean to get on the soapbox. Great way to end the show, I think. (laughs) Don't you think? Well, thank you, Mayor. Uh, Once again, uh, tune in next time for Podcast Quincy's City View with Mayor Tom Koch. We'll see you. (laughs) 